Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We've got an absolutely packed show for you guys tonight. Unfortunately, we have not one but two Cowboys topics. I apologize for that, but they're two relevant topics in regards to the Cowboys' Super Bowl contention for two different reasons. Uh, I'll discuss that as well as uh, Steph Curry, my man. He's out for a little while, folks. I'll leave the show off with that. Also, uh, we got Niners Seahawks tonight. I'll predict that game at the end of today's show and why the Packers have got to just start Jordan Love the rest of the season. They're 5-8, and eight, and my thing is, do they have a plan? I'll discuss that later on in the show today. But first, let's get right to Steph Curry. According to Sham Sharania, who tweeted, I'd say about an hour ago about the situation, uh, first of all, Steph Curry did uh, suffer a, uh, a a shoulder left shoulder injury during the game last night against the Indiana Pacers. Not to mention, by the way, it really sucked because the Warriors trailed 25 points in that game to the young Pacers. And Steph went on this big, massive third quarter run. The Warriors did, rather. And at the time Steph got injured, keep in mind, folks, this is third quarter. He had 38 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. He was on triple-double alert. Matter of fact, I'm not so sure he wasn't on 50-point triple-double alert. But according to Sham Sharania, Golden State Warriors All-NBA star Stephen Curry has sustained a labral injury in his left shoulder and will be reevaluated in two weeks. So, Steph's out for a little while. What does this mean for the Warriors who now today sit at 14 and 15? Well, uh, first of all, a big problem even before the Steph injury is that at home, my Warriors have looked like the best team in basketball. They've been 12-2, which is tied for the best home record in the NBA. On the road, folks, they've been abysmal. 2-13, and 13, which is very uncharacteristic considering the fact that the Warriors for the really entire run here of the dynasty for the last eight, nine years, it's been about winning big road games. I think they've won like 28, 29 straight playoff series where they've won at least one road game. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And so Steph's out a little while. What does this mean for Golden State? Well, first of all, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant left in 2019. 
since that point, when the Warriors do not have Steph Curry, they, they've got a 90-game sample size here in the last three years. 90 games that Steph Curry hasn't played. It's a little bit of a skewed number because Steph, the majority of those 90 games, Steph missed the 2019-20 season because he broke his hand and only played five games that year. But be that as it may, 90 games. The Golden State Warriors record is 24-66. and 66. Not promising. So, at this point for Golden State, it's going to be about surviving without Steph Curry. Not to mention, it doesn't help the fact that they're on a pretty long East Coast road trip, their longest road trip of the season. They just lost to the Milwaukee Bucks and to the Indiana Pacers at back-to-back night. They got to go to Philly tomorrow to play the 76ers, go to Toronto on Sunday to play the Raptors, and then back-to-back nights in New York against the Knicks and the Nets before they come home for that big Christmas Day matchup against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, which unfortunately, because of the Steph injury, has a little bit of sizzle taken out of it, if you will. But Golden State today in the Western Conference sits at 10th, at 14 and 15. Uh, incredibly, they're only five games back of the one seed. So it's December. They still could get it because if you compare it to the Eastern Conference, the eight, between the one seed Boston and the 10 seed Toronto, there's an eight and a half game difference. In the Western Conference, it's a five game difference between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, who both have an 18 and nine record, and the Warriors, five game difference. So in the immediate, Golden State is not going to be playing good basketball for the next two weeks, three weeks, however long Steph Curry's out. He probably played his last game in the calendar year 2022. But if you are asking me if I'm concerned about whether or not this injury will affect a potential championship run, I'm not concerned in the slightest. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, Golden State has been bad defensively this season. I've, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, please, by the way, if you wouldn't mind if you guys follow me on Twitter at Carving It Up Pod. But if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know I, I, I live tweet during a lot of these Warriors games. And especially early in the season, I went on these big long rants about how bad the defense has been, the fouling, the the lack of communication on pick and roll. Like it is is frustrating to watch considering how great they've been ever since Steve Kerr took over as head coach in this eight-year run. But Think about this. Golden State, and I've given the stat a lot, when Draymond Green went down last season and missed two months. And we didn't give Draymond Green enough credit. I don't think we've ever given Draymond Green enough credit for how important he is to the Warriors. He's huge. He runs everything, offensively and defensively. And when Draymond was healthy last season, the Golden State Warriors were the best defense in the NBA since the 2007 Spurs, who swept the Cavs in the NBA Finals. Without him, middle of the pack, 13th, 14th ranked defense in basketball. And so it's confusing this year. You obviously got Draymond. Clay is no shabby defender. Andrew Wiggins is an excellent perimeter defender. Jonathan Kaminga, who, by the way, has really come on as of late, is a very good perimeter defender. They've got bodies to throw around at some of these really talented wing guys. By the way, Kavon Looney is strong down low and a good wing defender himself. So why have the Golden State Warriors been so bad defensively? I think the answer is quite simple. A little bit of a championship hangover. When you're battling it out for two months from April to June, playing all these teams with great wing players, you think about the second round, John Moran. You think about the Western Conference Finals. It was Luka Doncic. In the NBA Finals, it was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That takes a lot on your body, and then you come back four months later in October when you go from NBA Finals where everything's on the line to October where pretty much nothing's on the line. Now you can say, well, it's December. 
But I'll also argue is Golden State can't get back on their feet the way they used to back earlier in the dynasty because of a simple thing that gets all of us at some point in time. It's called father time. Age gets us. Am I saying that Steph is declining? Absolutely not. I mean, guy's averaging, what, 32 a night? I mean, he's having one of the best, if not the best season of his career. Steph is not declining. Clay is averaging 25 in the month of December. Like, Clay's back. Like, I, I was worried about Clay to start the season. I'm, I'm not worried about Clay anymore. Draymond, and I know a lot of, you know, Stat Muse, and I love Stat Muse. Like, that's where I get a lot of my numbers. But Stat Muse, everybody's talking about, you know, 1.3 rebounds, to assists. Draymond's going to give you nights like that. But he's also going to give you nights where it's 12, 9, and 11. And he's everywhere on both sides of the floor. Getting the Splash Brothers good shots, the offensive end, and controlling everything communication-wise on the defensive end. So age, I think, plays a factor into this. So Golden State is going to struggle all of the duration of Steph Curry's absence. But again, I don't think it hurts him long. Simply because the second reason, who scares you in the Western Conference? I'm serious. Who scares you in the Western Conference? Out East? Different story. You got Boston. Oh, my. You see those Celtics? You see what Jason Tatum did to the Lakers the other night? 44 points. Jason Tatum is probably the front runner for MVP right now. The Bucs, yeah, they have this guy named Giannis. Maybe you've heard of him. Chris Middleton's back and playing well, and they're about to get Drew Holiday back. That roster is stacked. I, I predicted before the season they get to the finals and meet my Warriors. Not to mention, you guys know I'm not very high on this team. Y'all been paying attention to the Brooklyn Nets lately? They're playing outstanding basketball on both ends of the floor. Kevin Durant's playing out of his mind. Kyrie Irving is doing his thing. Ben Simmons is, is, you know, in and out of the lineup, but the bench has been great. Nick Claxton and company. Like, Brooklyn's a real team so far. I'm not sure in the long run if they will be, but right now, it's, it is Kevin Durant. Well, let's, you know, he's top five player in the world. Let's, let's not underestimate that. Out West, either young teams or teams Golden State just flat out has the number of. Or players in some instances. So if Golden State, if the playoffs started today, Golden State would be the 10 seed that have to obviously win two playing games. I'd have all the confidence in the world that the Warriors could do that. So let's just put the Warriors in as the 8 seed. They played the New Orleans Pelicans in round one. Now, I told you about those Pelicans. They were coming, right? Uh, Zion Williamson was going to wreak havoc on the league this season if he stayed healthy. For the most part, he has, and he's been unbelievable. He's averaging like 25 points a game. He's looked unbelievable and has been efficient as you could be. CJ McCollum's playing well. You got Alvarez. You got really good pieces. Larry Nance. But it's still a very, very young team. They pushed Phoenix last year, but it's a young team. You're going to give Golden State the edge in that series. In the second round, they'd face either the Portland Trailblazers or the Phoenix Suns. Little fun fact here. Steph Curry has never lost a playoff game to the Portland Trailblazers. He's 10-0. He's never lost. And like Damian Lillard, who's playing out of his mind as of late, you guys know I love Damian Lillard. He's probably one of my three or four favorite players in basketball. But Steph Curry kind of owns him in the playoffs. He's 10-0 against him. Or you play Phoenix, who the last two years has blown two 2-0 leads in best-of-seven series. In 2021, the NBA Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. Last year, second round against the Dallas Mavericks. You're telling me you would take either of those teams over Golden State? By the way, not to mention Portland is very young. And... You know, Phoenix has some older players. I'd take Golden State. 
And then the in the, in the Western Conference Finals, in all likelihood, you would take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Memphis, to me, is the biggest threat to Golden State out West. Without a question. However, they played last year in the second round. Golden State-Memphis, they played each other, right? Went six games, Golden State won in six. Four of those six games came down to like the last five minutes, so crunch time. You you need big players make big plays in big games. Golden State won three out of the four close games. Why is that? Execution and experience. They've been here before. There's nothing in this run that Golden State has not seen. They've seen everything. They've blown a 3-1 lead. They've come back from a 3-1 lead. They've gotten all the injury breaks. They've had the injury breaks go for their opponent. They've seen everything. They played with Kevin Durant without Kevin Durant. In one year, they played with Steph Curry without Steph Curry. They played without guys like Draymond at times or Clay. They've seen everything. They beat Memphis. Now, today, Milwaukee would beat them in a seven-game series. Boston, I'm not so certain after we saw Saturday night and the problems that Golden State and, Andrew, and not Andrew Wiggins, he didn't play, but all the wing defenders for the Warriors, Draymond Clay, Kaminga, gave Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Still think there's a little bit of psychological uh, hurdle that the Celtics got to overcome in order to beat Golden State should they meet again in June. But in the long run, no, I'm not concerned about the Warriors. Like this, this is one of those years in the Western Conference where anybody could win it. Anybody. Like Golden State could be the eight seed and get to the, the NBA Finals. I truly believe that. I don't think they will be the eight seed. I don't think they'll have to participate in the play-in tournament. But if they have to, I think they get to the Finals as long as they're healthy. Like, if Steph were going to have to miss a significant amount of time, I want it to be right now in December, not in April or May. Because if, 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 if it happens in April or May, forget about it. Golden State's not going back-to-back. So in short term, yeah, of course I'm concerned about the Warriors. I, I, I do not anticipate seeing good basketball over the next two and a half, three weeks. But in the long run, no, I'm not concerned whatsoever. This is a team that's won four of the last eight NBA championships. They got the best player in the world, Steph Curry. Klay Thompson is playing great right now. Draymond, we know he's up and down the regular season, but he always gives you his best when his best is required, and that's the playoffs. Honestly, and I was talking to uh, 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 Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast. Shout out to him earlier uh, today. And who's to say that they shouldn't, a team they played last night, the Indiana Pacers, who's to say that they shouldn't go to the Pacers and say, hey, we will give you Jonathan Kaminga's side. We will give you some of our, all of our young players. We're talking Wiseman. We're talking Moody. We're talking guys like, uh, even the young guys like Ryan Rollins, Patrick Baldwin Jr., like rookies. We'll get, because Indiana's in a re- rebuild. We got a lot of 20 year olds in there. We will send you that whole package. If you want Jordan Poole, maybe we'll give you a Jordan Poole, especially the way he's playing as Blake. Not good. Uh, we'll give you that package from Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Because, you know, we've talked since the offseason about, hey, the Lakers need to trade Westbrook and those two first-round picks, which are, I think, I think the first one's in, like, 2027 for Heald and Turner. That's, how does that package compare to what the Warriors have to offer? The Warriors have all kinds of draft picks and assets. So if you were to acquire a Miles Turner and a Buddy Heald, gives you shooting, gives you defense, and it strengthens your bench, here you go. Because part of the reason the Warriors have struggled a lot they're missing two veterans, Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton Jr., or Gary Payton II, excuse me. 
Gary Payton went to the Portland Trailblazers. Otto Porter went to the Toronto Raptors. Got to have veterans. I, I, I was wrong about the Warriors in that I thought that the, the young guys would step up. Outside of Jonathan Kaminga, none of them really have. Jordan Poole's taking a step back after getting his money. So we'll see how it happens down the road uh, for my Warriors. But uh, in the long run, I have no reason to be concerned. They'll get the defense right because it's a Steve Kerr coach team. And Steve Kerr coach teams always place in the top 10 defensively. That They'll be fine. I, I have no worries whatsoever about this Golden State Warriors team. Um, but it's been a, an odd start to the NBA season. Like out east, it looks for the most part what we thought it looked like. We knew Boston was going to be good. We knew Milwaukee was going to be good. I certainly knew that Cleveland was going to be good, given the addition of Donovan Mitchell, those other guys, you know, stepping up in, in, in bigger roles, guys like Jared Allen, Darius Garland. But, you know, you, you look out in the Western Conference, who on earth would have saw the Portland Trailblazers as the four seed? Or, to me, the shock of the West, the Sacramento Kings as the seven seed. Though, maybe I shouldn't be all that shocked because another Steve Kerr, former assistant, Mike Brown, is crushing it. I love Mike Brown. I know we've, we've had certain people call him Mr. Potato Head, which is extremely disrespectful. But the defensive mentality he's brought to those Kings, being able to, it, it, it's one thing to draft young talent. It's quite another to develop them. Mike Brown's done just that. Like this Sacramento Kings team, they're pretty good. I mean, they're three games back of the one seed. I know it's December. I get that. Still got a lot of basketball left to play. We're not even halfway through the season. But that, that, that's a real team that we need to be paying attention to. Uh, not as a championship contender, but you know, just a team to continue to develop and possibly make the playoffs. So, you know, good for Mike Brown, good for the Kings, and uh, listen, I can't wait to see what they look like down the road. It's it's going to be fun, but I, I think it's interesting when Boston is funny because these last few games, so they got smoked by my Warriors, which even I kind of didn't expect. I didn't see that coming. I was confident in, in my guys, obviously, because they're great at home. But I didn't see a 17-point win coming. Then they go to L.A. to play the Clippers, get destroyed. And then they play one of the weirdest games of the NBA season, albeit very exciting, against the Lakers. Obviously the best rivalry in sports, Celtics, sorry, best rivalry in the NBA, Celtics-Lakers. And Boston goes up by as many as 20. The Lakers come all the way back. It's a 32-point turnaround. They lead by 12 with three minutes left. Boston, in particular, Jason Tatum, who went crazy at the end of the fourth quarter, went and tied the game, and the Celtics won in overtime. So uh, I, I think it's really funny just how these with, – with the three-point shot, I think it's changed everything in terms of you know these, these games being a lot you – know, a 20-point lead in the third quarter is not safe. If you're playing any team worth their salt, they can come back from 20 in a, a six-minute span. If you got the shooters – Get out and transition. Don't foul. Get stops. A 20-point lead in 2022 is not what it was in 1992. Whole different ballgame. So uh, it, it's going to be it's gonna be really interesting to see what, uh, what happens. But, <laughs> oh gosh, I hate, I hate, I hate doing this. So we're going to shift to the NFL. We're going to shift to the NFL. And, uh, Let's talk a little Dallas Cowboys for the next two segments. Micah Parsons was on Von Miller's podcast the other day. And they had a really interesting conversation. 
talking about MVPs. And Micah Parsons was talking about, you know, I don't know why so many quarterbacks talk about this as MVPs. And a matter of fact, in that same sort of, uh, in that same soundbite, in that same podcast, Micah was was talking about, you know, we go crazy when Brock Purdy has one big game. We're, we, we're anointing him as this new great franchise quarterback. It's like, bro, it's one game. Which, by the way, listen, I agree. Like, you guys know I like Brock Purdy, but to, you know, to anoint the kid as a franchise quarterback after one game, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. He does have a, some incredible pieces around him, and that's why I think he was going to succeed. But Micah, to say the, to say the very least, took a shot at uh, Jalen Hurts, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. So he said, quote, talking about Jalen Hurts, when they were talking about the MVP discussion, he said, quote, is it Hurts or the team? And Von Miller uh, basically gave the, the Eagles 12-1 record to both sides. He gave it to the, the defense and, and the supporting cast and to Jalen Hurts. Micah Parsons says, quote, it's the system and team. I'm not trying to make no enemies. I just love the game so much and I understand it so much that when things are off, I just can't hold it in. I've almost got to say something. So essentially what Micah Parsons is saying is that Jalen Hurts is only good. Is only good is only in the MVP discussion solely because of the supporting cast around him. <sighs> we got to stop with this, folks. I'll get to Micah and the whole situation because the Cowboys play the Eagles in today's Thursday, nine days on Christmas Eve. Like it's it's coming soon. I'll discuss Micah and Jalen in just a second. We got to stop with this though. That. When a team is loaded, the quarterback is playing well, they're winning a lot of games, well, it's because of a team. First of all, last I checked, could be wrong on this, you know, I'm, I'm an amateur, but football is a team game, last time I checked. There's not a whole lot of Super Bowl winning teams that were amazing at quarterback and sucked just about everywhere else. There's, I don't know if there's any of those, to be totally honest with you. And so, I mean, Josh Allen has a stacked roster. Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey. Aaron Rodgers the last two years had Devontae Adams. Okay. You look at other teams like, uh, I don't know, the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase is paired with Joe Burrow. Like, we can't just say Jalen Hurts is good just because they added A.J. Brown. Does it help? Heck yeah, it helps. A.J. Brown's a top 10 receiver in the NFL, and he's had a remarkably, arguably the best year of his career, if you look at his numbers. But the notion that Jalen Hurts is only good, or is only in the MVP discussion, solely because of his teammates. And obviously, he has a, a great defense. I think they're number two overall in defense as, as, as it pertains to takeaways, points allowed, yards given up, things of that nature. Like, the Eagles have a tremendous defense. Offensively, of course, as I mentioned, they have A.J. Brown. They have Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. Dallas Goddard, who's a good tight end, and probably the best offensive line in football. But what people fail to realize sometimes is that A.J. Brown is great. Let's, let's not take anything away from him, and Devontae Smith is a very good player. Somebody's got to get them the ball. They can separate all they want, but somebody's got to deliver them the ball accurately. Somebody's going to make those big-time throws, take those big shots down the field, stretch the defense, and make those plays. And 
no one's really done that much better than Jalen Hurts again. This, this season, he is fourth in QBR. He is tied for fifth in touchdown passes. He's got fewer interceptions than anybody in the National Football League with three. He's top 10 in passing yards. He's got a 68% completion percentage after having a 62% completion percentage a year ago. He's thrown for 3,100 yards. He's also first in the NFL in rushing yards for a quarterback. And I think I read it the other day. He's third in rushing first downs. Jalen Hurts is not a running back. He's third in rushing first downs in the NFL. He's pretty good. Just go out and say that. And when you look at his improvement, and I talked about this on Monday's show, it's very similar to the likes of Josh Allen and even in some cases Lamar Jackson, where if you look at them from their rookie year to now, it's night and day. Jalen Hurts wasn't that accurate. He turned the ball over a lot. He was a little gun-shy in the pocket. Now, he's comfortable. He moves around well. He's deadly accurate. He can push the ball down the field. He doesn't turn the ball over. Not to mention, he's very coachable. His teammates love him. I don't know what there is to criticize. But to Micah's part. First of all, uh, it's funny that the Micah is talking about a guy who vastly outplayed him the last time they met in Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, the Philadelphia Eagles attacked Micah Parsons because we know he is a generational talent in terms of being a pass rusher. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In terms of speed, getting from sideline to sideline, Micah Parsons is one of the best talents in the National Football League, without a shadow of a doubt. But... He does have a weakness. Not good at stopping the run. Like, they use his speed and his aggressiveness against him. That's what the Eagles did. They used a lot of rollout passes, play-action rollout pass with with Hurts and with A.J. Brown. And Micah Parsons was kind of in no-man's land. He had to make a decision. They went after him. But I've always had a rule on my show, literally, I'm not kidding, folks, since the second episode of Carving It Up, three years ago, that when you call out a guy especially after you're about to play them. If you either guarantee a win or you take a massive shot at your opponent soon before you're about to face them, face off with them, I have absolutely no issue with it whatsoever. None. So long as you go back it up and win. If you don't, we got an issue. And I've gotten numerous examples of this. I can think of one off the top of my head from about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, where Dabo Sweeney... Clemson was taking on Ohio State in the college football playoff in the semifinal game. And Dabo Sweeney, it was the COVID year, right? Ohio State only played like six games, but they got in because they were clearly one of the best four teams in the country. But Dabo Sweeney said out loud, I did not vote for Ohio State to be in my top 10, much less the top four. I said, oh gosh, you better be careful with that, Dabo. Don't, don't give them bulletin board material. What happened? Justin Fields and Ohio State just ran all over Clemson. I mean, it wasn't even close. Jalen Hurts is kind of a silent assassin, if you will. He's very quiet, very unassuming. Great guy off the field. 
Uh, he's, I mean, he's never going to say anything controversial. Again, like Jalen Hurts is one of those guys. He's everything you could possibly want in a franchise quarterback. Everything. On the field and off the field. But he takes notes. And Jalen Hurts, if we know anything about him, going back to his days in Alabama and Oklahoma and now with the Philadelphia Eagles, he's a grinder. Like, dude works his behind off. And you add a little fuel to that fire. Careful if you're Micah Parsons. And part of what bothers me about this, and, and, and the Eagles left tackle sort of called this out, and I think accurately, that Micah Parsons talking about Jalen Hurts. They don't play Jalen Hurts this weekend. They play him next weekend. Play the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. How about you worry about the Jaguars? Because they're a... Uh, they should be at the, at the front of your mind. Because if you lose to Jacksonville, that game against Philadelphia is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Dallas still doesn't control their own destiny to win the East, even if they beat Jacksonville and Philadelphia does what they're supposed to do against the Chicago Bears. But you give yourself a punching chance if you beat Philadelphia on Christmas Eve. You lose Sunday, forget about it. You're done. You're not winning the NFC East, and you're not getting the number one seed. So that's, that's always been... It, it, it bothers me when we try to take credit away from great players just because they're surrounded with great talent. I mean, it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, the Heatles back of the early 2010s, LeBron, D-Wade, Bosch. Does anybody who, you know, is in their right mind think that, oh, okay, is LeBron really the MVP or he's got Dwayne Wade and he's got Chris Bosh and Ray Allen and uh, guys, come on now. Is Jalen Hurts really that good? I mean, he's got, I mean, think about so many teams. Think about like the Cleveland Browns last year where they've got a great offensive line, got great receivers, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. They got a great defense led by Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, great coach, Kevin Stefanski. And they won six games because Baker Mayfield was their quarterback. Give credit to Jalen Hurts where it's due. I'm hesitant on him being the MVP because I think Mahomes is doing more with less. But I got no issue with Jalen Hurts winning the MVP. I don't think it's it's comparable like Nikola Jokic winning back-to-back years with the Denver Nuggets. But that was absurd. I wouldn't have an issue with Jalen Hurts winning this year's MVP. He's absolutely done enough to put himself in that discussion, in that conversation. And for Micah Parsons to discredit that, okay, show me next Saturday. Because if you don't, this is going to come back to bite you. Because what you're noticing with the Philadelphia Eagles, outside of their left tackle, they haven't said anything about this. And last point before I get to the, because I see I got comments here, and I'll get to those in just a second. But what I love about this is Micah Parsons came out recently and walked back those comments. He said, man, I'm, I ain't trying to disrespect nobody. You know, Jalen's a great player. It's like, you knew the statement you were making. Might as well stand on it. If you like that, stand on that. Like, it almost makes you question Micah Parsons in some way. He's, he's a great player. I'm not, I'm not even questioning that for a second. He's one of the 10 best players in the National Football League. This isn't like a backup saying this. But if you're going to make a statement like that, I need you to stand on it. I need you to double, triple, quadruple down on it. That is unless you understand the, the mistake you made. So we'll see. 
Alexander Johnson from the Dallas Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast says, Crack him, son. Love those guys. My grid teammates, Dallas Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. Please go check them out. John Rivera, Fan Perspective Podcast. He says, Hurts is my leader for MVP. And Lord knows he certainly has a great case for it. There's no question about it. Again, when you talk about, again, not just throwing the football, but running the football. Uh, there's, there's, there's no question about it. And even, even Alexander Johnson, who, again, big Cowboys fan. Jalen has been improving his play each game. Hard to count him out, and I hate Philly. I mean, Alex and, and everybody else watching or listening who, who know, I am no longer a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I still don't like the Philadelphia Eagles. But <laughs> listen, you at some point, what does your eye test tell you? And, and Micah, of all people, should know this. Micah spends hours upon hours upon hours every week watching tape, watching film, a lot more than we do. I mean, surely he sees what we're seeing. I mean, in, in, in this notion, well, the coach are putting him in the best position to succeed. Isn't that kind of what they're supposed to do? Playing to his strengths? Heck, the Denver Broncos and John Fox did this with Tim Tebow back in 2011. Okay? And obviously, Tim Tebow's massive limitations came back to hurt them later on, which is why they moved on from him in favor of Peyton Manning. But you got to play the guy's strengths. Don't don't make it harder on him. Like that's that's the markings of of a great coach or a great coaching staff is you make the game simple and you make it easy as possible. Nothing's easy in in, in the NFL, but as easy as possible for your players. John John says you're not a Cowboys fan. No, I'm not a Cowboys fan. John John, no, I I I sold my fan card like year and a half, two years ago, with the whole uh, the Dak Prescott contract uh, situation because everybody knows I've been a Dak fan uh, before he was a Cowboy. Not a Mississippi State fan, but I just love the way he conducted himself, loved his play on the field, his, his, his grit, toughness, uh, intangibles. Not to mention, dude went out there and won a lot of games at Mississippi State. At one point, had them as the number one team in the country. Like, I, I loved Dak Prescott in college. And so, back when I was a Cowboys fan, I was thrilled when the Cowboys took him in 2016. Obviously, he had you know, a great rookie season, won rookie of the year. Stuck with Dak. And, and make no mistake about it, I want the Cowboys to beat the Eagles. I don't want to get that twisted. But, man, notice who's doing all the talking and who's just laying in the weeds. That stuff matters. And trust me, Jalen Hurts ain't going to say nothing about this. He's, uh, he knows what's going on. We'll put it that way. And he'll remember this come, come Christmas Eve. But for us, for me, for you guys, it's great for us. It's more content for the show. It's more drama added to what should be one of the biggest games in the NFL season. Hey, I love it for content purposes. No question about it. What I don't love is Jerry Jones calling out Dak Prescott. And that's our next topic. So uh, Jerry Jones was on uh, Dallas radio. Not sure what uh, which station is on. He, he, he does you know numerous radio hits. I think he does, does two, in some cases three shows a week. But uh, he was ta- uh, he was asked about, are you concerned about Dak Prescott's uh, interception issue? Because Dak Prescott in the last, uh, let's see, Dak's been back for six games. Set, has it been six? Seven games. Dak Prescott's been back since the thumb injury for seven games. And he's thrown eight interceptions. It's like, okay, that's, you know, that's a little bit of a problem. Well, Jerry Jones was asked about this. And he said, quote, 
Interception concerns can neutralize great execution and effort in other parts of the game. The definition of aggressiveness doesn't have to include turnovers. It doesn't, it doesn't have to include that. Aggressive does not. I do like aggressiveness without turnovers. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I, I like uh, cookies without the sugar, but that's what comes with them. So to Jerry's initial point about aggressiveness, with Cooper Rush, the, when Cooper Rush was in at quarterback for five games, a lot of the narrative around the NFL was, well, Cooper Rush doesn't turn the ball over. And up until the Philadelphia game, he didn't turn the ball over. Play clean football. But that's in large part because the offense was severely limited with number 10 at quarterback. Was it, you know, decent? Yeah, sure it was. They were putting up, you know, 20, 24 points a game. They were, they were fine. But the big play wasn't there. They didn't, by the way, rightfully so. Props to Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. They never asked Cooper Rush not to do things. Uh, they never asked him to do things that he wasn't comfortable or capable of doing. Right, not no tight window throws down the seams. You know, not taking shots down the sideline to Ceedee Lamb or to Michael Gallup. Didn't ask him to do things that he wasn't capable of doing. You didn't turn the ball over, but once you ran into Philadelphia and you were forced to make those throws, then he did turn the ball over, and he had to be aggressive. Cooper Rush didn't have a choice. He had to be aggressive in order to keep the Cowboys in that game. And so for Dak Prescott, I'll address the interceptions individually in just a second, but the aggressiveness factor. At some point, you have to. You know, what's what, what I love about this, and it bothers me, man, it, it bothers me the double standard when we cr critique Dak that we don't use for other quarterbacks who, by the way, are better than Dak. Take Josh Allen, for example. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since week seven, which that's when Dak came back. Week seven against the Detroit Lions. Since week seven, Mr. Josh Allen is 28th in passer rating. He's had the second most turnovers with nine. His completion percentage ranks 30th. Yards per pass ranks 22nd. Pass yards per game ranks 16th. Passing touchdowns 9th ranks 14th. His passer rating, by the way, the only quarterbacks he is better than in that department, six week seven, is Matt Ryan, who was benched, Kenny Pickett, who's a rookie, Davis Mills, who leads the one-win Houston Texans, and Zach Wilson, who was benched. But we have not said a word about Josh Allen. Now, does that mean Josh Allen is not a great quarterback? Absolutely not. We, my opinion, Josh Allen's the second or third best quarterback in football. Like, to me, the, the big three is Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. You, could, you can rank them however you want, but I think Josh Allen is no question in that group. But we tend to be harder on the great players than we are on the middle of the pack guys. Like we're supposed to be harder on LeBron James than we are on Jalen Brown. Like Jalen Brown's a really good NBA player. He's all-star. He's, he's not LeBron. Even in this advanced stage of LeBron's career, we're going to be tougher in our criticism of LeBron than we are of, of a guy like Jalen Brown. 
but that doesn't apply to Dak. Maybe it's because he's the quarterback of the Cowboys. We understand the the criticism that comes with that. Uh, Tony Romo, of all people, would know, right? But to the interceptions individually, if you look at all of them since he came back, so he went turnover free against the Lions, was a little rusty in that game. He missed five games, so you know Dak was did no big explosive plays down the field. The next game against, against Chicago Bears, Dak threw one interception. That was to Eddie Jackson of the Chicago Bears. Right down the middle of the field, C.D. Lamb stopped his route because he saw Eddie Jackson coming out of the you know, peripheral vision. It's like, oh, crap, I'm about to get either smoked or, or I might fumble here. C.D. Lamb stopped his route. Eddie Jackson picked off the pass. That's one interception. Two weeks later, after the bye against the Green Bay Packers, C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz, there was a miscommunication between the two on the route. Dak threw the pass to where C.D. was supposed to be. It got picked in the end zone. Next interception, also against the Green Bay Packers. He throws to the spot where CD is supposed to be. CD stops his route. Interception. Two weeks later against the New York Giants. Now, this is the first interception that in this stretch that is 100% Dak's fault. 100%. He's throwing a comeback route left sideline to Michael Gallup. He's trying to draw a pass interference. Not really sure what Dak was trying to do. Ill-advised throw. Shouldn't have made it. Interception. Totally on Dak. But the second one. Miscommunication. C.D. Lamb runs the incorrect route. Dak throws a pick against the Giants later in that game. Uh, the next game is the Colts. C.D. falls in his route. He slips, falls down, gets picked off by Stephon Gilmore of the Indianapolis Colts. Last week, throws up, I mean, right to Noah Brown. Right, right in his hands. Goes right through his hands, tip drill, interception. And the second pick uh, on Sunday against Houston, can't. it's his worst interception maybe of his career. I don't know what Dak was doing, trying to force the football in a contested area where Dalton Schultz was. Bad mistake, bad turnover. I know his arm got hit. Ball wasn't going to get there anyway, even if his arm wasn't hit. Interception. But my issue is, we praise other quarterbacks for being gunslingers, taking shots down the field. We love Mahomes and we love Allen. We love, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers a little high in the interception list. He's taking some shots down the field in the latter half of the season. We love the gunslingers, but when Dak does it, it's an issue. For every, because of the way Dak plays, and I'll get to maybe why Dak's, you know, the interception numbers are high, not just in terms of how they happen, but the reasons that they're happening. For every interception Dak throws because of his aggressive style of play, you get 98-yard drives to win the game. Or you get perfect throws right down the middle to guys like Schultz. Throws up the sideline to C.D. Lamb. Or even in some cases on a wheel route to Tony Pollard. We hold Dak to a standard that I'm not sure Patrick Mahomes can meet. We do. Does that mean Dak's perfect? Of course not. Is he being at times a little careless with the ball? Yes. I mean, there's been plays that have not been interceptions. Where Dak has been a little reckless with the football. But I was thinking about this the last, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks. He's, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the number one Dak fan on earth. Wears hat like every third show, maybe more than that. But I was thinking about this. Is Dak Prescott playing uncharacteristically um, careless football? Because he knows he has to fit the ball into tighter windows. 
because CeeDee Lamb can separate, but oftentimes there's a miscommunication between he and Dak. It's gotten better in recent weeks, but, you know, it's still there to a certain degree. Everybody else, Michael Gallup uh, struggles to celebrate, uh, celebrate, separate at times. Noah Brown really struggles to separate down the field. Dalton Schultz is, is, is all he's good for is a little five-yard, uh, you know, safety route, which is fine on a, a second and four. But if you need a big play on third and 13, he's not a tight end like a Kelsey, a Kittle, or a Waller, an Andrews, a Gasecki that can make a play. He's not, he's not in that level of tight ends. Is Dak Prescott forcing the football because he knows he has to? So ultimately what that comes down to is Dak and the coaching staff, in particular Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, to put Dak in positions and for Dak to put himself in positions to where he doesn't have to force the football. Dak deserves the blame. I mean, you can't say all of the interceptions are his fault. You also can't say all the interceptions are not his fault. But being official with the football, being not safe with the football, because that can only get you so far. It, you know, you can't win a Super Bowl with Cooper Rush. You can win games. You can't win a Super Bowl with Cooper Rush. It's, it's hard to win championships with guys who cannot and do not push the ball down the field. Dak does. There's little things you got to correct. And then lastly, and this is what bothers me. This, this is really what, what bothers me at the end of the day about Jerry Jones. Oh, he doesn't get it, does he? So, Jerry's going after Dak and the interceptions and things of that nature. Here's my question. He's the owner and the general manager. He's not the coach. He's not a player. What is he hoping to accomplish? What is calling out his quarterback for his turnover issue? What does that accomplish? Because if you watch Dak Prescott's press conference after the Houston Texans game, you'd have thought the Cowboys lost. Dak was brutal, like uncharacteristically brutal on, on himself after the game. Like, I mean, really hard on himself. Like, hey, Dak, like, hey, listen, you got to clean that up. But hey, listen, that's, but that's part of the reason I love Dak, though, is because he's not a Zach Wilson, you know, not taking blame after a loss or, uh, you know, or a Baker Mayfield. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is what is Jerry hoping to accomplish through these, these comments? It, it's just like earlier this year. When Dak went down against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, injured his thumb. Jerry Jones did his press conference, as all other owners do, right, after games. He did his press conference before the head coach, Mike McCarthy, did. It was Jerry who gave Dak's diagnosis and timeline to return before McCarthy. As a matter of fact, they asked McCarthy in the press conference, they said, you know, Dak's going to be out, I don't know what it was, was it six to eight weeks, I think was the timeline. Dak Prescott's going to be out six to eight weeks. And Mike McCarthy was like, yeah, that's the first I've heard of it. The power dynamic in Dallas is the biggest reason 
that this team has not gone to an NFC Championship game in 27 years. They've had the quarterbacks. Mike McCarthy, though I'm not a fan, has done a pretty solid job this year. I mean, is he a genius coach? Not even, absolutely not. But he is the first coach since uh, uh, Barry Switzer in 95-96, and you know, Switzer was a great coach. He was a decent coach to lead the Cowboys to back-to-back 10-win seasons. And let's just say these Cowboys were not near as talented as those Cowboys of the 90s. So, And by the way, doing it with Cooper Rush the first part of the season, hats off to Mike McCarthy. Like, he deserves credit for that. But it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I don't care if it's Tom frickin' Brady. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It's the power dynamic that has always been the issue. It is the biggest reason. I would go so far as to say, and I don't use this word much, but the only reason that the Cowboys 90s dynasty was not as near as great as we thought it could have been. Because obviously he did fire Jimmy Johnson after the second consecutive Super Bowl in 1994. It's my issue. Not to mention Jerry is, for whatever reason, always been hard on Dak. I don't know if it's because Dak has never really cozied up to Jerry the way Tony Romo did. I don't know if it's why because because Dak has kept Jerry at kind of an arm's length. But what is he hoping to accomplish? That's my question. But it is what it is. That's why the Cowboys, uh, I don't believe this season, are going to win a playoff game. Usually don't win playoff games. I think they're four and eleven since the last Super Bowl championship in the playoffs in their last fifteen playoff games. Power dynamic. It's all that's always been the biggest problem. But we'll see what happens moving forward. By the way, uh, in other Cowboys news, they signed T.Y. Hilton the other day. I like it. Like I know there's some people that are like ah, it's T.Y. Hilton. He's late in his career. I, I think it's a solid move. I think he's he's an upgrade over Noah Brown. He's definitely an upgrade over James Washington. T.Y. Hilton is a good number three receiver. As a matter of fact, on Sundays, I'm not so sure he isn't better than Michael Gallup. So I'm fine with the signing. I would rather have T.Y. Hilton, who can play today, than Odell, who still isn't healthy. So I think it's a solid signing by the Cowboys. I have no issue with it. I've seen a lot of people criticize it. I think it's a solid move. But enough the Cowboys today. Sorry to put you all through that. 30 minutes of Dallas Cowboys talk. Probably won't be doing this much, at least until the playoffs. In particular, January the 16th of 2023, when I will be on this show at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time, talking about a playoff loss by the Dallas Cowboys. Until then, we won't give you that much. Moving on now to, let's well, actually got a couple comments here. <laughs> of course, Alex Johnson said he loved it. Of course he did. Of course he did. Of course, uh, listen, but again, by the way, folks, please check out their podcast, Cowboys Camp In Podcast. Uh, very entertaining. I was uh, able to be a guest on their pregame show before they faced the Los Angeles Rams back in week five. Had a blast. Love those guys. Uh, and, and they just did two, uh, two vlogs. They went to two Cowboys games in a week. They went to the Vikings game in Minnesota, which was obviously a, a, a total beatdown, 40-3 by the Cowboys on the Minnesota Vikings. And then the Thanksgiving Day game against the New York Giants. So check that stuff out. Check all their amazing stuff out. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, that's your spot to go. If you're not a Dallas Cowboys fan, check check their stuff out anyway because it's uh it, it's it's great stuff. Now for the Green Bay Packers, um, 
I was really starting to get, and you, you guys know I'm, a, I'm very much a Packers skeptic on this show, but I was really optimistic about this team's future a couple weeks ago when they lost to Philadelphia on Sunday Night Football. They only lost by seven to a, a, a team that's now sitting at 12-1. and one. They very much competed. They scored 33 points on an excellent defense, despite the fact that their star quarterback went down in the, thir- in the third quarter. And I said at that time, what were the Packers then? Four, they were four and eight at that point. I said, okay, you're four and eight. Bad news. You're not going to make the playoffs. I hate to tell you that. You're not going to make the playoffs. I have a hard time seeing this team because they did beat Chicago the next week. They were supposed to beat Chicago, but I have a hard time seeing them win five games and getting in. And even if you get in, they're going to get smoked by whether it be, I think Minnesota, the reason Minnesota beat them in week one, they match up far better with Green Bay than the other way around. If they face Minnesota, I think they get beat. If they face the Niners, they're going to get destroyed, right? So Packers aren't going anywhere in the playoffs, even if they were to miraculously sneak in. And what I always say, and it's to give a an example in politics. I'm not going to name names or anything, but the biggest one, not the biggest. There's a lot of issues I have with political candidates these days, but one of the biggest issues I have with political candidates is especially nowadays. I don't know if it's because of the rise of social media and, and whatever. My question to a lot of these folks who are running, what is your plan? Cause some of them just flat out don't detail plan. They just align themselves with this uh, president or this uh, Senator or whatever. What are you going to do to help your country like that's that's always been my issue and for the green bay packers it's sort of the same question what is your plan what is your intention you're five and eight aaron Rodgers is going to start on monday night against the los angeles rams my guess is green bay probably wins i get baker mayfield came out that big game green bay is a better team today than the beat up rams they're at home they should win that game but then you're six and eight then you got miami on the road i like the dolphins in that game They'll be a little desperate by that point because very good chance they're going to lose to Buffalo. Because so Miami's playoff hopes will kind of be in the air. They got to win that game. Then they got Minnesota. Look at Kirk Cousins' numbers against the Packers. Dude loves to play the Packers because his, his numbers and his winning percentage are both excellent. And then they go and then they play the Detroit Lions. Who I don't know if you noticed the Lions score a lot of points. Green Bay doesn't. So they could easily lose their last three games this season. Don't think they will, but they could. So. My question is, get the most that you can out of this season. I say that because a Packers insider, let me get his name. I, I, want, his, I want to get him his name right. Uh, Jason Wild. Jason Wild, who's a very well-respected Packers reporter, he, he, he said the other day, quote, I had a really great conversation with Jordan Love on Friday afternoon. I think he very clearly, even though he wouldn't flat out say it, he does not want to sit for another year. So if we get a year, get to year four and Rodgers does come back, I am fairly confident that he will seek a trade. And for that reason, for that, you know, for that report, again, I go back to what I said a couple weeks ago. Just start Jordan Love the, the rest of the season. Because he was bad in his only start last year against the Chiefs. But he came in relief of Aaron Rodgers and looked pretty good. Was moving around well, had a, a live arm, was accurate. Had the Packers in position to possibly steal that game. They looked pretty good. 
You have one of the biggest assets in the NFL in Aaron Rodgers. You could get, you think Seattle got a haul for Russell Wilson back when we thought Russell Wilson was good. Can you imagine what the Packers would get for Aaron Rodgers? You don't think a team like the Titans or, dare I say, the 49ers? T- t- you know, one of these teams, who's to say the Miami Dolphins? Hey, the Dolphins went after Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady. Who's to say they won't go after Aaron Rodgers? The way two has played, if he continues this low level of play to finish the season. A lot of teams out there need a quarterback, and a lot of teams are willing to give up whatever it takes to get a quarterback. So the Packers will have all the leverage. But until then, see what you have in the kid. If he's good, great, we've got our franchise quarterback, and we can build around him on a rookie deal. If not, okay. Well, good news is we'll get a high pick. You know, we're only going to be a 5-6 win team. There's a lot of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. We could possibly keep Aaron, trade Love, because again, a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. A lot of teams out there will take Jordan Love. Get assets, build around Aaron. But no, they're going to start Aaron, and then we have no clue whether or not Jordan Love's the guy or not. That is my problem with the Packers. It almost makes me hope the Rams beat them on Monday so that the last three games we see, okay, we get a three-game sample size. It's little, but we get a sample size. What is Jordan Love? Because it's year three now. I, again, I always say the Bill Parcells uh, uh, example for evaluating quarterbacks. Year one, it's a developmental year. Not going to be too hard on them. Year two, you need to see a steady improvement from year one. And if by year three, you still are not confident that they're the guy, then you move on. If Jordan Love still can't play by year three, then you move on. I don't know what the Packers' plan is. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish or get out of the season because even if they were to sneak in the playoffs, folks, they can't compete with me. We, we got a lot of questions about Minnesota. Minnesota's clearly better than Green Bay. So are the, the Niners. You've seen the Packers the last few times they matched up against the Niners. Hasn't ended well, especially in the playoffs. Okay? They cannot beat Philly in a playoff game. They can't beat Dallas, I don't believe, in a playoff game. I know they beat them earlier this season. That was a homecoming game for McCarthy. A lot of emotions. Dallas coming off a lot of stuff that factored in this game that wouldn't factor into a playoff game. They cannot beat a team like, I would say, even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Seattle Seahawks. Heck, they barely beat Tampa when Tampa was missing like their whole receiving core. Like Russell Gage was their number one receiver. Get something out of the season. See what you have in the kid. If he's not good, okay, you stick with Aaron. You trade love. You build around Aaron, and, and it's it's two more years of, of trying to win a Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame-level quarterback. I don't get what the Packers are trying to do. I really don't. And by the way, Aaron hasn't been all that... He hasn't shown a whole lot of pushback to the idea of starting Jordan Love. I, matter of fact, I remember Aaron doing a press conference a couple weeks ago that he would be interested in having those conversations should the you know the organization or the coaching staff, Matt LaFleur, bring, should they bring that conversation to him? I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know. Of course, then again, a lot of moves the Packers have made the last few years, starting with drafting Jordan Love to start with, has really confused me. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it uh, we'll see how it plays out. But at the end of the day, I, again, I question how the Packers are doing business. It just doesn't make sense. So 
look, Aaron still, I still think Aaron is, is one of the better quarterbacks we have in this league. I think a lot of it is the fact that his receiving core is bad. His receiving core is the biggest reason I said the Packers would not make the playoffs. I mean, Christian Watson has looked pretty good in recent weeks. He, he he's really developed into you know one of those guys he could trust. But outside of that, uh, I mean, an old Randall Cobb and Romeo Dobbs. Hey, come on now, like the, the, that's not going to win playoff games. Even in the, in the, even in the limited NFC in terms of contending teams, that's not going to win any playoff games. It, Devon, having Devontae Adams, you couldn't win any playoff games last year. So you definitely can't this year. And the NFC was significantly better a year ago than it is now. Then again, like I said, a lot of a lot of moves the Packers have made has has been very uh, curious at best. But we do have a game tonight, and it's a very big game. So the Thursday night slate has been a little disappointing this season. I felt really, you know, I felt bad the most for is Al Michaels. I know he signed a big deal with Amazon, and you know, obviously pairing it with Kirk Herbstreet uh, to to do these Thursday night games. But Al Michaels is too great of a broadcaster to be doing Panthers-Falcons or Bears-Commander. Like, come on. Al Michaels should be doing Chiefs-Ravens or Cowboys-Eagles or, uh, you know, Buccaneers and Packers. Like, those are Al Michaels games. Like, come on. This is... But tonight is a different story. It's an NFC West battle between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm, the Niners are favored, minus three and a half. So here's what I'm looking at. This is kind of a desperation game for the Seahawks. Because we look at the playoff standings right now as it stands today in the NFC, should the playoffs start today? Seattle be out. They'd be uh, a half game back of the New York Giants. Giants are 7-5-1. and one. Seahawks are 7-6. and six. This is a huge game for Seattle. It looks like Kenneth Walker is going to be back in the lineup, which is huge for them. He's one of the premier running backs in the league, even as a rookie. Not to mention for the Niners. No Devo Samuel, who thankfully avoided serious injury in the, against the Buccaneers on Sunday, but he's going to be out till at least the end of the regular season. And Brock Purdy, sturdy Purdy as I called him. Looks like he's dealing with some sort of oblique injury. He was questionable up until this morning when it was announced that he's going to play tonight. But Brock Purdy's going to be playing beat up. We know Seattle is still one of the hardest places to play. It, it, man, Seattle's a hard place to play. I anticipate the Niners are going to get off to a nice little start. Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell and company. Great offensive line. Great defense. But I've always had, there's, there's two theories I have in the NFL. The embarrassment theory and the desperation theory. The latter comes into effect a lot later in the seasons when you've got teams that are kind of on the fringe just trying to get into the playoffs who need wins. Because if you look at the Seattle Seahawks, they got to win this game tonight. Because if not, they'll drop to 7-7, seven and seven, and their next three games are going to be against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. That's a loss. Home against the Jets. That's a tough one. And he got the Rams at home. Like, you got to win this game. Like, for Seattle, just trying to get out of here 2-2. Two and two. Finish the season 2-2, two and two, and you probably get in the playoffs. They beat the Niners last year, with Russell Wilson, by the way. Despite the Seahawks having a, a, a disappointing season due to a lot of injuries, I'm going to go with the upset. I think the Seattle Seahawks win this game 24-20 to 20, 
over the San Francisco 49ers. Geno Smith had a bad game on Sunday against the Panthers. I anticipate he'll bounce back. I anticipate that the Seahawks will be able to, again, if there's any coach that can match Kyle Shanahan, it's Pete Carroll. Pete, Pete, Pete Carroll's seen everything in this league. So I anticipate the Seahawks will get a good running game, put Geno Smith in positions to succeed. Seahawks win this game over the San Francisco 49ers by a final score of 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a really, really exciting game. By the way, again, I'll predict uh, week 15 in the NFL tomorrow's show. Some fascinating matchups. There's actually, we got a triple header on Saturday on the NFL Network. Colts, Vikings, Ravens, Browns, and Dolphins, Bills. So, then Sunday, Cowboys, Jaguars is a fascinating game. Jaguars are not out of the race for the AFC South, especially the way Tennessee's playing. Steelers, Panthers, we wouldn't have thought would have been an interesting game, but impossibly, Carolina controls their own destiny to win the NFC South. Because Tampa Bay plays the uh, the Bengals. If Tampa loses, the Panthers win. The Panthers are in the playoffs. They're, they're in as, as the standings would look like on Monday. But they control their own destiny. Patriots, Raiders, Josh McDaniels against his old team. Uh, what else we got? Oh, Giants-Commanders is a huge game for playoff ramifications. That's the Sunday night game. What else we got? Titans-Chargers. Again, so Chargers are more desperate than the Titans considering the fact that they're not going to win their division. Titans are up two games in theirs. But there's there's some fascinating matchups. A Cardinals-Broncos. But No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's a terrible game. No, that's seven combined wins for the Cardinals-Broncos. the Broncos. Uh, by the way, prayers up to Kyler Murray. Obviously, he suffered a torn ACL very early in the game against the Patriots. Uh, you know, prayers for a speedy recovery for him. Uh, Cardinals are in some real, real trouble right now in terms of whether or not that they can get back to what they were even a year ago. Cliff Kingsbury is in all likelihood gone after the season. Uh, Steve Kime, who, by the way, prayers up to him. He's dealing with some some health issues. He had to take a leave of absence, uh, but his job's on the line. Kyler's coming off of a major injury. Uh, this roster, it doesn't look anywhere near a Super Bowl contending roster, even a playoff contending roster. And they're 4-9 today, folks. I, I don't I don't know where the Cardinals go from here. But it's going to be an interesting Week 15 in the NFL. Before we get out of here, uh, usually during the football season, because I do a show Monday, Thursday, Friday, and at the end of every show, there's usually an upcoming game, whether it be that night or during the weekend. And I predict the game, and I end the show. Today is is a little different. Um, I just wanted to just give me two three minutes on this, uh, because it's it, it's it's a topic that is really really near and dear to my heart, and something I care deeply about. So, I'm uh, I'm sure a lot of you are aware of the passing of of Twitch, the dancer Stephen Boss, uh, Stephen Boss, Stephen Boss. Uh, what's his name? Uh, he was well known on the the Ellen Show, and he uh, he died by suicide. Now, obviously, we're going to learn more about whatever's going on. Certainly, give the family and and loved ones uh, space to grieve. But yeah, you know, I, I just want to take this opportunity to say that you know mental health is 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 so so important. And when we talk about Whenever an athlete, and I'm, I'm going to sort of tie this to sports, whenever an athlete, I always use this example, when an athlete breaks their leg, you know, you, okay, you go to the doctor, you, 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 if you have to have surgery, if you, whatever, the, they tear their ACL or they, you know, hurt their shoulder, whatever, go to the doctor, get the diagnosis and take the next steps. Um, and too often we don't do that enough. 
with with mental health. I am in no way, shape, or form, by the way, just hope this is not misconstrued, uh, blaming Twitch's death on on him. Okay, like he's obviously going through something that you know none of us can can fathom or explain in order for him to to take his own life. But I just want everybody out there to know, man, that if you're dealing with anything, please, please, please go get help. You matter. Your life matters. Uh, you got people that care about you. And, you know, if there's anybody, you know, I, I'm going to repeat a phrase that Patrick Brown used in a statement and a sentiment that Patrick Brown used, host of the Chaotic Sports Podcast, by the way, here on The Grid, uh, who was on my show uh, three weeks ago, day after Thanksgiving. And, and I thought he summed it up perfectly. Because he was he he gave a message about mental health, and he said that you know if nobody today has told you whether you're watching or listening to to the show, nobody today's told you that they love you. Then let me be the first. I love you. You matter. And if there's anything that that you're dealing with, just know it is okay to not be okay. Go get the help you need. Talk to a therapist. Whatever you need to do to to address the problem. Because we do it all the time. If we're physically sick, if we've got the flu, if we've got just a cold, you know, we're going to take antibiotics or we're going to do whatever the, the doctor prescribes us to take or take whatever steps that they they, they want us to, to, to take. If we're injured, we take those next steps. I just hope that – and the stigma is being lifted. But I hope that it continues to, to – that it continues to be that way and we continue to, to get the message out. It's okay to not be okay. Get the help you need. And, and also, last thing, want to use this opportunity to give a big shout out to the athletes that have used their platform to speak about this important subject. Guys like guys and, and, and gals, by the way, men and women, Dak Prescott, Naomi Osaka, uh, Simone Biles, Michael Phelps, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, countless others. Uh, Solomon Thomas, uh, who's, who's been a huge advocate of mental health. I believe he plays for the Raiders. Uh, it's, it's just been unbelievable on this topic. So just, uh, this is something that really, really means a lot to me. And if you yourself have not been impacted uh, by mental health struggles, I, th I think we can all say we've we've known somebody who it has. And uh, man, it's okay to not be okay. There's, no, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with you if you are dealing with something. It's just it, it's it's part of being human. So please go get help. I just it's please. And with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Uh, Alexander Johnson, great show, my dude. I appreciate that, Alex. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Show won't be live. I'll pre be pre-recording it, but I'll be reacting to tonight's game, giving my Week 15 NFL predictions, the Saturday games, the Sunday games. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Also, be sure to like, share, comment. Take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow a lot. And also, head over to the Grid Network. That is GRYD, the Grid Network, of which I am a part of, as well as my man, uh, Alexander Johnson, the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, uh, along with everybody else on that show. Uh, Barry Grant Jr., All Even Podcast. All right. Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. Alfred Parsar Jr., Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast. Uh, Patrick Brown, Chaotic Sports Podcast. Go check out our, our amazing content on YouTube. Like, share, comment, and subscribe over there. And that is where you can listen to my show and all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. 
Have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please check in on, on your loved ones. Tell them you love them. God bless you all. Peace out. Y'all better quit disrespecting Dak, too. Come on, man. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.